You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. A one antithesis of treasure is to neglect or not appreciate. If I don't treasure something, it'll be known through my words and deeds that I don't appreciate it. Not only will it be known personally, but others will also recognize that I don't appreciate what I should appreciate. Now, there are certain things that it should be evident that we do not appreciate. Right? Yeah. When you see people dishonoring God, you, you don't appreciate that because you're, you're Christian. When you see a person that should be exemplifying a certain type character because of who he or she is in God, but they're not exemplifying that character, you don't appreciate it if you see me your pastor doing things or saying things that are in contrast to what a pastor should do based upon the scripture you don't appreciate that no you expect me as your pastor to operate a certain way in the church and outside the church. You know, when, when you read in, in the book of Timothy, as well as other books in scripture, you, you see what it says about elders. Elders should have a certain type character. Their wives should have a certain type character. And we can go on with ministers, deacons, and so forth. Just, just certain type character that people should exemplify that are in God when you see them outside the church not manifesting traits based upon the scripture you don't appreciate that and so no doubt there there are things that we shouldn't appreciate But there are also things that we should appreciate. When we treasure something, it also has to do with looking at something as valuable. 
And some things are so valuable that uh, you shouldn't even sell them. So valuable to where, you know, somebody can offer you good money, but it's such a prize to you that, that no, I don't want your money. I want this to go to my children and my grandchildren. And you want to and you want to instill in your children and grandchildren the value of it so they will also hold on to it. Sadly, I, I have seen folks that have been left a treasure, left something that was valuable, but didn't appreciate it. Lord, that boy that his daddy left him a nice car. <laughs> and he just didn't let that car go down. Do you know that girl, granddaddy, left her mama set for life? She didn't have to worry about a thing. But as soon as she got her hand on it, it was gone in less than two years. She didn't appreciate her inheritance. Didn't appreciate it. There are certain things that, as people of God, we, we just have to learn to value. Especially things that are based upon God's written and revealed word. It's just like the season that we're in right now. You, you have to value what season you're in right now. That there are even certain things that may happen in your life that, that hurt, but you have to value the experience. Because even pain is necessary to take you to certain places. If you suffer with him, you will also reign with him. Pain is necessary to take you certain places but you have to learn to appreciate pain you have to learn to value what some folks do not value I, I used to wish stuff away that I should have been valuing I should have looked at as a treasure but, but I was wishing them away to the point to where I pleaded with God about something. Lord, just take this away. Even would get mad when God would move it. And, and, and I, was, I was foolish because I didn't understand the Lord allowed certain things to happen. So I would learn to appreciate him. And learn from the experience in order to become a better person the apostle paul so understood what what i'm talking about to where 
he said to the churches, he said, the things that were written about the past were written for our learning. There are certain testimonies that people will share with you not to just be telling you about their experience but they will share those particular things with you in order for you to learn something beneficial for yourself. Final definition of treasure is to is when you have something that you need to retain in order to benefit you and others. I got to hold on to this. It helped me, but it's bigger than me. I got to hold on to it, and when the time comes to share it, I'm going to share it so it can be beneficial to somebody else. That battle that you went through with cancer, that battle that you went through with diabetes, that financial struggle that you went through, even though it hurt, you have to retain it. Because somebody is going to need to know that, that if they go through such or something similar, that God, who was no respecter of person, if he delivered you, he'll also deliver them. I got to go on, but say to your neighbor, you, you need to learn how to treasure certain things. Get a hold of some stuff and, and just don't let go. Just can't let it go. But I, but I want to take a look at what the scripture has to say about treasure. Just want to look at three particular passages in, in reference to treasure. Let's go to Psalm 119 first. Psalm 119. And let's consider just one verse, that being verse 162. Psalm 119, verse 162. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. I am happy about your word. I love to hear your word. As one who finds a treasure of silver. A whole bag of $100 bills. I love to hear your word. It is it, like a treasure. 
You can do something with a bag of hundred dollar bills. Really bouncing? Well, if you can't give them to me, I, I, I can do something with a bag of, how many in here you can do something with a bag of $100 bills? When we were, when we were starting the church, uh, Mother, Mother Peggy Barkin came and she said, I got a bag for you. It was an old brown paper bag. Opened up that old brown paper bag. It had nothing but $100 bills in it. I said, Mother Peggy, we can use this for the church. <laughs> this bag of money can be used. But, but notice the implication of the tax. The word should be just as valuable. The same way you, you shout about. Somebody blessing you with $10,000. You should be just as happy about the word. You should turn in victory about the word. The same way you turn in victory when God brings you out of a great trial. That's the implication of the text. But my question to you, do you value the word that much? Do you appreciate the word that much? Don't lie in church now. Because this man is saying something right here. I better read this again. Lord have mercy. Notice Psalm 119, 162. I rejoice at your what? As one who finds great. And if you find. A bag full of money, $100 bills in your backyard. You going to get happy right there. You might look around to see. But you going to get happy about that money. Am I right? We got to stay happy about the word. I said, we got to stay happy about the word. You got to stay happy about better is here and better is coming. You got to stay happy about Proverbs 3 and 5 and 6, which tells you in part not to lean to your own understanding. You got to stay happy about Luke 6 and 38. You got to be happy about giving every time you bring God his tithes and offering, knowing according to Luke 6 and 38, he's going to return it unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But let's go further. We can get happy on that all day, but let's go further. That's a good passage, isn't it? Let's go to Matthew 6. Matthew 6. Verse 21. For where your treasure is... There your heart will be also. Now you know your heart represents your feelings, your mindset, your choices, and so forth. Church or the game? 
If you got a choice between church and the game, and you choose the game, that's where your heart is. Handling your business or being lazy. If you decide to lay around when you need to be taking care of business, that's where your heart is. Now, this scripture, this ain't Walker, this is the Bible. Man, I need to get up and do such and such. Lord, but I, I don't feel like doing it. I'll do it another day. See, see, when your heart is right, you do what you don't feel like doing. You put your feelings or your flesh under subjection and you do what you know you need to do. Where your heart is, that your treasure will be also. I got to show you something else now to tie in with this scripture. Let's go to Matthew 12. Jesus was rolling in Matthew 12. I'm serious. He, he was just, he was rolling, rolling, rolling. And there's two verses I want, I want you to understand what I'm talking about. Matthew 12, 34 and 35. This is what he calls folk. Brood of vipers. Jesus was calling folk that. You see it for yourself. Brood of vipers. How can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. He goes on to say a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things some folks treasure evil more than they tre treasure good you can value laziness more than taking care of business And it's going to be evident in your choices. I said it's going to be evident in your choices. You can say you love God all day. But I'm going to know if it's real based upon your choices. You hear me? Man, I'm going to really move forward this year. Well, I hear you, but I'm going to know by your choices. He said, how in the world can you speak good and you know you evil? And folks do that. Sometimes folks say what they think you want to hear. Or they think somebody else want to hear. But see, the bottom line, we, we got to make sure 
that our heart is about good. Or specifically as Christians, our heart is about the things of God. Notice what he says again in verse 35 of Matthew 12. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good what? That's what we want to be. We don't want to be the latter part. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Now, honestly, I have been both. Yeah. I have chose evil even though I knew good. I said, I have chose evil even though I knew good. But I learned. I learned that I can't do this. This is not God. This is not going to bring me good. This is not going to benefit me because evil makes your flesh feel good but good will not happen for you I said evil will make your flesh feel good but it will not Turn out for your good. You ever done something evil that it made you or your flesh feel good? See, some of y'all trying to like you ain't, you, you. See, you just, you just have to be real about certain things. It, it's some things, you know. I used to get high because it made me feel good. Y'all don't know nothing about getting high. At least that's the way you act. I, I used to drink something that was considered trash because it made me feel good. What was it? Rum. You know, rum, when, when, they, when they used to make sugar, used to be the leftover trash that they used to get the slaves. And the slaves learned how to use it to get high. But I used to drink that rum and used to pay for that trash in order to feel a certain way. I ain't got no liquor drinkers over here. I form my liquor drinkers over here. Maybe I got some over here know what I'm talking about. You have to understand that evil can be appealing and make your flesh feel good, but it won't work out for your good. I'm at kinfolk that love rum and, and other alcohol so good to where, uh, in order to prove my point, when all was said and done, they had cirrhosis of the left. Had one that died with it. 
enjoyed getting high from it, it made him feel good for the moment. But in the end, it didn't work out for his good. That's the reason you have to choose your treasure. You have to choose your treasure. Where your heart is, that will your treasure be also. What do you treasure? Something evil or something good? I used to say crazy stuff like, I ain't ready to become Christian. In actuality, I was saying, I want to keep doing evil. I want to keep choosing bad. That's just the bottom line. My heart was still dealing with evil treasure. It's always a choice. Because that's how God created us. He created us free moral agents. People that have the right or ability to choose. Y'all all right? And so, when it comes to the primary text, Proverbs 2, 1 and 2. The author of Proverbs wanted to address his audience as someone that was close to him. In the New Testament, uh, The writers not only call people sons and daughters, but beloved. Let them know, I love you very much. And and when you truly love somebody very much, or you consider somebody a son or a daughter from a biblical standpoint, you want to tell them the truth. And you want them to do the truth. I like how Jesus said it in, in John 13 when he, he, he said, A new commandment I give you. A commandment, a new one, Lord? Yeah. That you love one another. By this, everybody going to know your, your mind. Because you're going to have love one toward or two another. Went on to say to them, if, if you love me, you will do what I say. You will keep my words if you love me. You know, we, we were brought up saying that love is, is primarily affection. But that's not the case biblically. Now, of course, love, is, love can be expressed with feelings and affection. But from a Christian standpoint, when it comes to love, it's about obedience. It's about doing what God will have you do even when you don't want to do it. They don't act like God has never told you to do something. You were just all together ready to do it, willing to do it. Because see, God, God will throw something on you that, 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 that you have to think a moment 
before you do it. And some folk won't only think about it for a moment. They'll take months to think about it. And maybe months to do it. So so-and-so that made you mad, you upset with her, and then go and tell you, you need to apologize to her. You be trying to say, one day this God, you know it's God, you know God well enough to know that it's him. But it's your flesh that does not want to do the command of love. By this, you will know my disciples. They'll love one another. If you love me, keep my command. She made me mad, but I got to get it right because I'm supposed to love her. Say to your neighbor, that's hard for me. I don't know about you. When somebody done upset you, and you don't want to deal with them, but God tells you to. And he gives you a scripture like I just gave you to back it up. It's even hard for a man when, when he done said something to his wife he didn't have no business to say and God tells him, you need to go in there and get that thing right. And, and, and so he wants his audience to know that, that look, you know we have an intimate relationship. We are close. So, so what I'm telling you, I, I wouldn't just say to anybody. I'm saying it to you because it's valuable. It's a treasure. And I'm going to tell you something. God drops treasures on his children. Drops words on his children that he calls rainbow. A word that's tailored just for them. This is what he dropped this morning. He always give you, gives you a written word to go along with the rainbow. That's in line with the rainbow. Y'all ready for it? I know you've been getting it already, but you finna get some more stuff. And so he says here, my son, if you receive my words... And treasure my commands within you. I need you to receive them. Who? My son. Everything, again, is not easily to receive. Yeah. I know pastor said, yeah, and you know pastor gave you scripture too. See, sometimes folks will say, I know pastor said that that's how he, wait a minute, hold on now. Pastor always give you a scripture before he give you revelation. 
Now, he has to give you revelation because that's how God done ordained it. But he also understands that if God gives him revelation, he's going to give him a scripture to back it. He wanted him to receive his, his words and to treasure, notice, the commands within. See, one thing about the reception of God's word that when you receive it and allow it to get in you, it has the power to transform. Hold on now. That, that's the reason David said this right here. He said, your word I have hidden in my heart. That I might not sin against you. What's the implication? If, if I'm not going to sin, it's going to be, be because of your word within. If I don't cuss her out, it, it won't be because my flesh don't want to cuss her out. It's going to be because of your word within. If I don't go off because that's how I feel, it's going to be because of what you've been feeding me. It's going to be because of the knowledge and understanding that is embedded in my being. That's the only reason. And, And so we have to be to the point to where We receive the word, but then when we receive the word, it becomes a treasure to the point to where it's going to tell us what to do. You're not going to allow your senses to dictate to you what you should do. You're going to allow the word that you receive that became a command within you. To tell you what to do. Again, David said, your word have I what? Hid well in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. Your word is telling me what to do. You ever wanted to go off, but the word wouldn't let you. You ever wanted to go left, but the word told you to go right. And that's what he's saying. Look, look at the text again. I don't want to lose you. My son, if you receive my what? And treasure my commands, what? See, the word, once it gets in you, becomes commands, instructions, guidance, or orders for you. Or the word becomes in you what you should think, say, and do. But it starts with you receiving it. You know a certain things you would do unless the word done, done told you better. You would have been the did something you had no business doing if it wasn't for the word in you 
that commands you not to do it. Gives you an order. And sometimes we ignore that order. Especially when you're a babe. Because you, you live based upon your feelings. The trouble with some folk, they can be in the church 30 years but still act like a baby. Still let their feelings rule them or order them around. Say 30 years but still allowing your petty feelings to order you around. She made me mad. So you ain't come to church because she made you mad. Girl, you've been in church 30 years. You know that's wrong. I didn't like the way uh, Deacon so-and-so took up the offering. I, so I decided to hold on to God's tithes. <laughs> You've been saved 20 years. You ain't got no business getting upset with Deacon about that. See, you have to be to the point to where as you receive the word and the word becomes that which commands or orders your life that you don't allow pettiness, your senses, your friends, your family or anything or anybody else to dictate to you what you should do. You have to allow that word to become so valuable to where it becomes more than you than your wife, your husband, your children, your preacher, your doctor, your lawyer. Your word should be, or the word of God should become number one. In your life. But the only way for that to happen. Is according to the text. You have to receive. What is being said. And allow it. To become. A command. Or an order. Within. That manifests in your. Thoughts. Words. Indeed. For years I was Christian, but I was still allowing pettiness, my senses or my feelings to guide me. Speaking in tongues, but get mad at somebody and allow my feelings to guide me instead of the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you how many times I quenched the Holy Spirit. It's quiet in here, but 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 will you tell somebody for me? I, I don't believe Pastor the only one. How many understand what I'm saying? 
See, he's talking to his son because he wants his son to understand. It, it starts with receiving, but what you receive has to become your instruction. It has to become that which orders you in life. The psalmist backed it up when he said, the steps of a righteous man are what? Ordered. What does order mean? Commanded. By who? The Lord. Where are the commands? Wealth within. It talks about how a table of stone was given to the Israelites. Ten commands in a table of stone. But God said, no, I'm going to write my commands. Where? On your heart. My commands are going to be within you. You ain't gonna have to. You ain't gonna have to look up and read it. It's gonna be within you, and, and you can be by evil and God to tell you, don't you touch that. Is that right? Let me go further as I get ready to close. Notice this, my son. If you receive my words, if you what? And treasure my commands within you so that you incline, notice this, your ear to wisdom. It's not enough just to receive the word. You have to allow the word to become wisdom to you. Some of us used to go to church for a hoop. Couldn't wait for the hoop. Don't even act like that. You couldn't wait for the hoop. You, you, you enjoyed singing and the hoop. You couldn't wait for the singing and the hoop. It's about time for them to hoop now. And that's what you're waiting on. The song and the hoop. But notice what he said. He said you got to incline your ear to what? Wisdom. You got to get that knowledge and understanding. You, you, you got to get a knowing in you about your life. You got, you got to get an understanding in you about your life. You got to be able to grasp what you should and shouldn't do in your trials, in your tribulation. You got to be able to grasp what you should and shouldn't do with your money. You got to get that wisdom in you. You, you got to know when to stay and when to go. You got to get that wisdom in you. You got you to gotta learn what to receive and what to reject. You got to get that wisdom in you. You got to know who to listen to and who to turn a deaf ear to. You got to get that wisdom in you. You got to learn what to treat like a child and what to treat like an adult. You got to get that wisdom in you. You, the Bible says, in malice be children. Don't get mad and, and take and take your anger to the grave. Be children when it comes to malice or getting mad. But then it says, when it comes to business, you got to be men, you got to be grown folk, you got to act like 
a responsible person. You just can't let the bills pile up and not do nothing. You got to act like a grown person and handle your See, see, I don't want to get in the church and the only thing I do is dance, shout, turn, invent. No, I want to have wisdom so when life comes to, with, with, to me with something complicated, I'm not going to bow to the complication, but I'm going to allow God's word to tell me exactly how to deal with my situation. You got to get wisdom. Receive, but allow it to become wisdom. Know how in you to the point to where you can deal with whatever arises in life. The proverb writer was so wise to where folks would, would cross oceans just to hear him. This is the type of wisdom we get from Proverbs. Folk would cross over oceans, and back then they didn't have no plane. Some of them, when they decided to go and see Solomon, they knew it was going to take a year to get there. Knew it was going to take months to get there. But they understood this man has wisdom that if we get it, we can bring it back to our nation and it will change it in totality. And here we have the wisdom of Solomon, but we rather Google something. Instead of getting from God's word exactly what we need to do, we rather Google and hear what some sinner or some religious person has to say about it. David, the greatest king uh, uh, in our day, president that has ever lived. Gave us wisdom. Your word, Lord, have I hid. He didn't stop there. I will look well to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the one. What did he do? He made the heavens and he made the earth and everything that dwells therein. That's the reason he pinned. Psalm 24 and 1 in the midst of trials. The earth is the Lord and all is fullness. Then he got to look and he said, even the cattle that sits upon a thousand hills belong to him. This is the type of wisdom we have right here. You ain't got to do no research trying to find out how you're going to come out. That ain't the thing you, the thing you need to do is get in the word. 
Will it help me with certain things in life? Jesus said in John 10, 10, there's a thief that comes not before the steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. You say, Pastor, are you against researching certain things? No. But I am when you put research before God's word. The wisdom that's going to help you more so than anything is right here. Right here. God's word. But sadly, we, we'll spend hours a day on the net. And maybe an hour a week in the word. Maybe an hour a week in the word. I got to get in it every day. I said, I got to get in it every day. I got to know. I got to get wisdom. I want my life to continue to be changed for the better. I want to continue to know that I am in the place that I need to be. Why? Because the worst place to be is out of the will of God. But the best place to be is in the will of God. Say to your neighbor, you got to listen to it. And if the preacher hoop, that's a bonus. But you ain't looking for the hoop. You come to get some wisdom. Wisdom will change your life for the better. Lord have mercy. Final thing. He goes on to say, last thing in verse 2 of Proverbs 2, and apply your heart to understanding. Apply your, your choices. See, once you, once you grasp the meaning Then it needs to become conclusive. Remember understanding? Initially, you're trying to grasp a meaning. What does this mean? But once you get the meaning of it and know it's according to God's will, then that meaning that you got should become conclusive, it should become your choice. God has given me the understanding that if I give, it's going to be given unto me good measure. Press down, shaking together and running over. That's the meaning I got. So, the conclusion is, I will always be a giver. I'm not going to go back to giving every now and then because of my understanding of give and it shall be given good measure press down shoot, together and running over Jesus said men should always pray and not lose heart faint 
or give up. So I understand that prayer is valuable. So I'm not going to be like I used to be. Praying every other day. Or praying only when I get in trouble. I should have had a whole house said, thank you, Jesus. How many used to pray when you got in trouble? That was your prayer time. Lord, I don't know if you're real. Mama said you was, but I need your help. Now, understanding says, based upon Luke 18 and 1, I need to pray all the time. And so based upon that, even when it does not seem like he hear me, I'm going to keep praying. Even when I don't see what I want to see, I'm going to keep praying. Understand it. You grasp the meaning, but then it has to become conclusive. And that's what he's talking about here in Proverbs 2 and 2. You are applying your heart or your choices to understanding. You got it down pat that you're going to get the meaning of it. And then it's going to become conclusive. To the point to where Elder White can't talk you out of it. Deacon Holland can't talk you out of it. Preacher Walker can't talk you out of it. Hold on though, granny can't talk you out of it. Mama May can't talk you out of it. Sister girl Betty can't talk you out of it. Why? Because you got the meaning and it has become conclusive. And when such words become conclusive, it is synonymous of being treasured. Therefore, we must hold on to God's word because it is a treasure. And I'm done. Not going to hoop today.